Good afternoon. I'm Eric Bold, Missouri Farm Bureau's Director of Public Affairs and Advocacy. I'd like to welcome you to the seventh installment of our 2021 Virtual Legislative Briefing Series. In a moment, I'll turn it over to Garrett Hawkins, our president, for some opening comments. We will then take uh, some questions from you after, after our guest speaks. We'll take some questions from you. If you have a question, there are several ways that you could ask them. If you're joining us by phone, go ahead and uh, get something to write with so you can take down a phone number here in a second. Uh, but if you are watching on Zoom, you can just type your question into the Q&A box at the bottom. Or if you are watching on Facebook Live, type your question into the comment area on Facebook and we'll try to answer it um, live here on the webinar. Lastly, if you are listening to us on the phone, you can still ask a question by texting it to us at 573-326-4501. Again, that's 573-326-4501. If you wanna go back and listen to anything that you hear today, it'll be available on our Facebook page. So just go to Facebook and search for Missouri Farm Bureau. The audio of the session will also be on our Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau podcast, which you can subscribe to at mofb.org slash podcast. We will also include a link in our newsletter, which comes out on Mondays. You will get it when you sign up, and you can do that at mofb.org slash newsletter. Sign up for the alerts there. That is mofb.org slash newsletter. Now I would like to welcome Missouri Farm Bureau President Garrett Hawkins for some opening remarks. All right, well, thank you, Eric, and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, as Eric mentioned, uh, this is uh, the seventh and the last installment of our virtual legislative briefing series, at least for the Missouri General Assembly session. Uh, we, uh, it has been quite a ride and appreciate your participation, both uh, as members, as well as uh, friends in the ag community, as well as our friends in the ag media. We have appreciated your participation and engagement uh, over these sessions. We've covered quite a bit of ground and hopefully you found this information to be useful. Uh, today, uh, we are very, very fortunate to have a, a, a true friend of agriculture agriculture and, and rural Missouri with us, uh, with Senator Blunt. Uh, he's here to, to give us an update on all things uh, happening in Washington, D.C. So it uh, looks like he's entering the queue here shortly, so uh, we'll be able to have him on shortly. I've also asked uh, B.J. Tanksley today to, to give us uh, the, the lowdown on where things are at at this point as we near the end of legislative session. For those of you that uh, are actually watching the video, you can see that he looks as fresh as the beginning of session. Uh, his energy level is high and uh, B.J. is sprinting to the finish line on behalf of Farm Bureau to, to deliver some, some great wins for us this session. So we'll hear a little bit from him um, as well uh, before we wrap up today. Spencer is also going to be on to, to give us a, an update on federal issues and we'll recap a discussion on broadband that we had yesterday with a subcommittee of the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. So that's what's on tap uh, for the session uh, today. At this point, uh, let's see. Senator Blunt, can you hear us? I can. All right. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. So oh. I've got, uh, I had to have a little Mohs surgery yesterday. I think it's the 10th time I've had that done on my face in the last 20 years. So that's my, 
and I blame it on on my on uh, the tractor and me not paying attention to my mother, who <laughs> the last thing I can still hear her say. Matter of fact, I hear it a lot when I'm having this done. Wear your hat as I'm going out the door to get on the tractor for the day, and I thought it was more important to become bronze-like. You know, I didn't know I'd had to have to face all this, but I figured if I could get away with that anywhere, it would be with the Missouri Farm Bureau Group. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Garrett, great to be with you. Um, great to I think be it's as close to in person as we've been since uh, your election, even though we've talked a couple of times. Yes. Congratulations on, on your opportunity to lead there and look forward to having the kind of great relationship we've always had and that I've always had with uh, the Missouri Farm Bureau. So uh, great to be with all of you today. Well, absolutely. We certainly appreciate your time. It's a great time uh, coming off of the president's first joint address to Congress. So I'm sure you've had some time to kind of collect your thoughts on, on what you heard. And maybe that's a great place to start, Senator. Well, I, I think it is. You know, the, the problem with President Biden is he doesn't seem that dangerous when you're looking at him or talking to him or listening to him until you really begin to think about all the things he said and it's pretty overwhelming. I mean, this would be uh, in last night's address, there was basically $4 trillion of new spending. And that doesn't count the $2.3 trillion that supposedly was to fight COVID uh, with very little of it going to any anything that had anything to do with COVID. You know, very little to vaccines, very little to treatment, a lot of that money not being spent until 2000, even as late as 2000. Uh, 28 or so. And then last night, we heard all of these new things that the government needed to do that the government's never done before. Uh, and literally from the beginning to the end, there is something there for everybody. Um, on the education front, two more years at either end of the education that government has traditionally taken responsibility for. But of course, most importantly, that's traditionally been the responsibility of the government closest to you. Uh, most of us believe that when you go from the local school board to, the, to Jefferson City, you may have gotten too far away to make the kind of decisions that need to be made for kids and families where you live. Uh, and, you know, last night we heard we need to have a kindergarten for three-year-olds and four-year-olds. So, uh, you know, that would start, school would start two years earlier. Uh, and then uh, free community college education. Now, my view would be if you really want to make education expensive, make it free. Uh, it will really cost a lot if the government decides that the government's going to pay for it and everybody making a decision locally about uh, every issue is, well, this is really the federal government's going to do this. So we should, we no longer need to think about the most efficient way to do this. Let's think about the way. Uh, that is the quickest way to do it or the way we want to spend the most money. Uh, on the um, community college level, I'm a big advocate for community colleges. I think, uh, uh, as the president did say last night, the kind of jobs that are out there, that associate's degree is important. I'd even argue and have been arguing that stackable credentials that may or may not lead to, a so to, a so to an associate's degree are even more important than that degree. And certainly if they nicely stack up to where after you've got a couple of years of them under your belt, um, you, you get a degree as part of that, that, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, uh, but it's that credential 
that leads you to a job in, in drafting or in some kind of engineering work or in uh, welding or, or HVAC, uh, the kind of good jobs that are out there that people need to be thinking about are the kinds of things that our community college network is really good at. And, and um, if you qualify for the full Pell Grant, which means you're in that group that we've decided needs the most help, there's not a community college in Missouri, and I don't believe there's a community college in America where the full Pell Grant doesn't pay all tuition, all fees, all books, with a little money left over uh, at the end of that Pell Grant. So if that's true, the people that are in the most in need already have free uh, first two years of higher education after after high school. We're, we're going to look have to look at this very carefully. This is more money. Um, in the, the first 90 days, the first 100 days, I guess, of the administrations being proposed to be spent, uh, then we may have spent in half a decade uh, before the year we're in right now. So, and how are they going to pay for it? Going to pay for it by uh, reversing what I think was were the good decisions we made in the 2017 tax bill. Uh, the corporate rate that got us to about the midpoint of corporate rates around the world. Uh, and we can compete at that level, though. Uh, and uh, what we've done since I've been in the Congress working year after year to try to get the inheritance tax to where it made sense, uh, where you weren't being taxed twice on the things you'd taken a lifetime to put together, uh, for, for businesses and family farms, that inheritance exemption at 11 million covers almost everybody. Um, one of my colleagues, Chris Van Hollen from Maryland has introduced a bill to take that exemption back to a million dollars uh, and to have a step up basis so that uh, you could inherit at what uh, value you could establish that the person you were inheriting uh, it from put into it but the difference in that and what it's worth the day you inherited it would be taxed at a capital gains rate. Uh, and, and by the way, for some Americans, he said the capital gains rate now should go from 23 or so percent to about 43%. Um, it, it would, the, the more you look at what was said yesterday, the more I think we need to be concerned uh, about the, a system where you do reward work, you reward uh, cost and benefit are important things. Uh, and uh, so we, we're going to have to uh, work really hard, I think, to be sure that we, one, keep in the Senate, keep the, the, the 60 vote threshold in place, uh, which prevents us from with 50 Democrats and the vice president doing whatever they want to do. Uh, and two, to really be sure people understand what's at stake here. Uh, I think you can almost almost imagine that there'll be a return of uh, the uh, waters of the U.S. rule or something very much like it. Uh, nobody anywhere in the country, I think, fought that harder than Missouri Farm Bureau did. And uh, you know, Garrett, the times, many times I took that Farm Bureau map to the floor of the Senate that pointed out that like 99% of our state would have been basically under the control of the EPA for a building permit, a the ability to put in a sidewalk, maybe the ability to mow the right of way, possibly the ability of what you could put on your farm field. 
Um, that's the moment we're headed back toward. Uh, and we need to be sure that uh, uh, people understand what's at stake and that the people that work for you here in Washington are hearing from you that uh, we need to re-engage in the successful fight we had a handful of years ago, but most of those issues have come right back. And the final thing I'll say, they've come right back with a, an administration that uh, has the smallest margin Democrats have had in the House since the Civil War. Uh, and I, we had a slightly smaller margin one time when I was the whip in the House, but this is a very, this is a four or five vote turnaround margin, which in the House is no margin at all. The Senate couldn't possibly be closer at 50 and 50. Uh, and frankly, the uh, presidential election uh, was not, there was no mandate asked for. The, 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 the President Trump wanted the election to be about him and President Biden wanted the election to be about President Trump. And so it turned into a very narrow referendum where President Trump did much better than any poll had suggested, but at the end of the day, didn't win. And now they want to talk about the mandate. And if they can find a Republican anywhere that's for what they're for, not in the Congress, but anywhere, suddenly, well, it's a bipartisan proposal because a lot of Republicans in the polling say they're for it. Uh, and my view would be generally that's because they, they don't know what's in it. It's like the infrastructure bill that doesn't have much to do with in infrastructure and has to do with a lot of the things the president talked about last night. Okay, since you, you teed it up perfectly on infrastructure, because a couple of weeks ago we talked quite a bit on this session about the infrastructure proposal. You know, as Farm Bureau, we're all about real infrastructure. And, you know, roads, bridges, uh, obviously include broadband in that. How, how are you finding these dis discussions shaping up, particularly within the Senate? Well, it would be easy to have a bipartisan infrastructure bill. I, on a couple of the Sunday morning shows a month ago, this is the point I made. If this was about infrastructure, you could almost guarantee a bipartisan victory on infrastructure and why wouldn't the administration want that? Uh, but only um, uh, about 20% or so of the so-called infrastructure bill deals with roads, bridges, highways, airports, ports, um, broadband, and even the underground infrastructure, water lines and things like that. I think Republicans would be glad to join the president on all of those issues and most of those, by the way, have a way that they either totally or largely pay for themselves. You build that on top of the highway trust fund that we collect. If you're going to do something in a, in a, in a rural or, or urban water district, do it in a way that you give people plenty of time to pay that uh, improvement back over their utility bill. So maybe all it costs you is writing down the the interest where the government's subsidizing the interest, but the people that use the water companies still pay for that. There's a lot of public-private potential out there. Um, that kind of infrastructure bill we really need. Uh, we need it in the waterways in our state. We understand that the inland ports are critically important in Missouri these days. The Missouri General Assembly 
uh, with the active encouragement of the Farm Bureau has stepped up in the last five years or so in ways they haven't before on that issue. Uh, and uh, an infrastructure bill that's about infrastructure would be one thing. Now, when you ask people, are you for an infrastructure bill? I think they know we need that. They know the government needs to do it. And so they say, well, yes, we're for it. And then the next thing you hear is some reporter expressing that, well, you know, uh, 40% of all Republicans or maybe 60% of all Republicans say they're for the president's infrastructure bill uh, without knowing that the infrastructure bill also includes uh, a whole lot of things that uh, maybe we should do and maybe we should debate, but we shouldn't do them under the guise that somehow their infrastructure. All right. So <clears throat> I appreciate your comment about the many fights that Farm Bureau, that you, that collectively we have been in together through the years. Death tax tops that list, right? And it seems like when we get to the right point of having some tax certainty where our farmers and, and small business owners can plan, all of a sudden now the pendulum appears to be swinging. So what advice can you offer? How do we best engage in this discussion, which even how the discussion has evolved, it's not just about a pay for anymore. Uh, when you talk about some of these tax policies and you of all people know how important they are to, to those of us in agriculture and small business. So how do we best navigate uh, these discussions? Well, um, I, again, I, I think you need to be sure that uh, the, the people that work for you in Washington understand the real impact this has. Uh, you know, what, it, what does it mean to a, a farm that's decided to, or a business uh, that's uh, uh, decided to uh, change their corporate structure because the, the suddenly the, the rate was appealing and the various deductions were appealing and even more appealing in some cases for small business, the, the ability to write off a certain amount for uh, depreciation, the issues that relate to uh, uh, inventory and other things really important in the tax bill that passed in 2017. Uh, and, uh, you know, not think that somehow two more years of higher education or two more years of education before kindergarten are, are going to come for free. Uh, are they going to be part of the local school district? If they are, does that mean you're going to have to build more building space? So is the federal government going to come in and do that for you when the federal government comes in? Are they going to bring all kinds of rules and regulations to uh, your school system that you would prefer not be there and that the local school board would have never adopted. Uh, I think we're, we're looking at a case here where from virtually the time you're born until you're, you, you leave the world, uh, the uh, current administration appears to think that there's an important role for government in every step of that process. All right. We're seeing a, an all-government approach to climate for the first time. <laughs> you remember right. 10 years ago when we talked about cap and trade and how much the discussion has changed now, Senator, to, to where we're at today. Um, today, we're submitting comments to USDA as they approach what they call a climate smart, smart approach. 
uh, for production mm-hmm. agriculture. You know, where, what are you hearing among your colleagues? Because this really is unprecedented, the approach the administration is taking to, to this issue. Well, I, I, I think there was an expectation that President Biden would reach out more than he has so far, uh, that um, this would be a, a, a more inclusive process. And, and we're just not seeing that, you know, as uh, uh, somebody said last night after the speech, uh, Bernie, Bernie Sanders must have been really happy with that speech. Uh, and uh, the, the climate issues the president specifically talked about, uh, there are things that we're doing. There's some legislation out there that I've recently joined that the American Farm Bureau's for that wants to look at some of the realities of climate change, but there's a way to do that without um, ending your ability to do what you do or ending our ability to be competitive. Uh, the president did point out last night that we have a very small impact on the worldwide climate. Now he used that as a reason to just getting back into the Paris agreement. But the more important point is that we can do everything we could possibly do. And as the president himself said, it won't have much impact on any climate change that's going on or any of the things we want to do, we're, we're seeing substantial benefits by uh, our, our efforts uh, uh, at home and at the farm and in the utility uh, uh, providers of the country to uh, try to change things to where the climate is in better shape and the air quality is in better shape and the water quality is in better shape. And what I've told the administration a couple of times is on almost all of these issues, if you give people enough time, uh, they're going to try to do what everybody believes is the right thing. But if you try to do it in in 10 years as opposed to 30 years, uh, people can't afford to pay the bill. It has incredible impact on their economy. Uh, and uh, we don't get a chance to have the worldwide impact we want to have as a leader on these issues. And we are a leader on these issues. We've always been a leader on these issues. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, signing up to the Paris Agreement uh, was, uh, is a bad idea is that we'll do what we say we're going to do and other countries won't. Uh, and uh, that puts us at a disadvantage in every every uh, comp- competition in the world. At the same time, Garrett, you know, as we've talked about before, there are great opportunities out there, the worldwide food need, the ag research, and, and seeing what we can do to, to, to raise a more competitive uh, crop and a, a, a better crop on the same amount of, of land. That's why, uh, again, where we love live, infrastructure becomes so critically important. There's nobody better located anywhere in the world to be part of that worldwide market than than Missouri uh, or Missouri farmers on the on the production side. Uh, and uh, we're in a place where you can have the production side and also have the value added side and put that uh, in a in a in a, a transportation system that should go anywhere in the world. You know, get it on water when you can get it on water, put it on rail when it needs to be on rail. Uh, be on the highways uh, when uh, that that's the best place to be and uh, so obviously we need 
uh, a competitive marketplace, but we don't need to be uh, put out of that marketplace by making changes quicker than they need to be made or realistically can be made. Uh, jobs will be lost um, and opportunities will be lost if we don't take a reasonable approach to a future that we have lots of reasons to be excited about uh, and why we want to make uh, that future needlessly difficult uh, for us is something that uh, I think a lot of people have to begin to ask that question as they think about the message they send to Washington and Jefferson City and the county courthouse and, and the city hall. Well, we'll send you a copy of our comments so you and your staff can, can see how we're responding to USDA in this first scoping. But first and foremost, it's important that farmers and ranchers that we are listened to. We are the frontline conservationists, as you know. Uh, we have to be at the table. And I hope that we can continue to impress upon USDA that let's first give credit where credit's due, that we first need to reflect and articulate, quantify all of the great things that we're already doing every day and have been doing for some time that truly have made a difference. So you look at Missouri, you look at the one-tenth cent sales tax for state parks and soil conservation. That soil conservation effort has obviously had environmental impacts, positive environmental impacts. So we're going to continue to stress that, okay, it's not just about what's going forward and asking more of us, but let's appreciate what we have been doing for some time uh, in terms of environmental progress. Well, exactly. And remember, you know, the, the President Obama's uh, 30% of the, of the productive land going into conservation of some kind and 30 years, I think we have to assume that's back on the table with maybe an accelerated clock. Uh, it, it, it appears to me that Democrats in Washington, particularly Senator Schumer and Speaker Pelosi, don't want to miss what is likely to be a short-term opportunity here. I think if this discussion continues, the odds are greatly in favor of Republicans uh, taking the House back in the next election. Uh, and um, equal opportunity where the Senate could uh, go back to Republicans in the next election. And, and I think they don't want to do what they believe they did with the first two years of Obama, which is miss an opportunity. That's why every single uh, Democrat uh, that should be on our side on these issues, like Joe Manchin in West Virginia and, and uh, both senators, both Democrat senators in Arizona, and John Tester in Montana uh, should be in a place where they don't want a bare majority uh, to change the country and change the laws and change the tax regulatory structure in a way that will disadvantage the people that they are representing here in Washington. And all three of those people at this point are saying, no, we're gonna, we're gonna maintain the minority protections because we could be in the minority pretty soon and I think they could be, but uh, that doesn't mean that a lot of damage can't be done in two quick years. And we have to be very engaged right now. And we'll see where we are uh, two years from now. Well, Senator, we appreciate your time today. I've always appreciated your voice of reason and common sense and your handle of the issues and your ability to connect the dots of what it means back to the farm gate and our communities. 
Uh, I just can't emphasize enough how much we appreciate you and, and your service uh, to this state and our country. Well, great to be with all of you. I appreciate our, our friendship, uh, both personally and with the Farm Bureau, uh, our whole team, uh, Derek Coates and, uh, and my team in the state, as well as our team here, Andrew Lassity, our tax folks who are looking at these tax use issues that can affect you so carefully and so, so significantly. Um, Want to continue to have all of the input uh, we can have so that we have, we have examples of the kind of real world impact of these decisions that people act like they're making in an ivory tower. So thanks for letting me be with you today. I've got another vote to uh, go to right now, which is a vote on, on a water bill that we're gonna pass with a significant uh, bipartisan majority. We could do the same thing with other infrastructure bills if President Biden would allow us to put the true infrastructure package together uh, and see some uh, dirt moving here pretty quickly uh, as we begin to do the work we need to do to take advantage of the location we have and the location the country has. So thanks for letting me be with you. Go get them. Appreciate you. Go get them. All right. Next up, Mr. Tanksley. We'd love to hear from you. What's, what's the latest from Jefferson City, more specifically from the Capitol? Yeah, well, um, I don't feel quite as fresh as you may have announced me as feeling, but uh, it's an exciting time in Jeff City. It really is. The legislature actually just left town uh, for the week after wrapping up. Well, the Senate had a big week where they wrapped up their version of the budget. Uh, we know that's a big deal where the budget deadline is coming up Friday of next week. Um, so that's kind of been the biggest topic of conversation probably from the larger scale. But it's been a busy week for us too. Um, I want to start talking about our number one priority, which is eminent domain reform, talking about the use of eminent domain for merchant transmission lines. Um, we had a huge rally uh, about, about a week ago, and I want to thank everybody who came out to, to show their support. Uh, I know we had kind of short notice on that, but really appreciate everybody coming out um, and showing their support for an issue that was big for us. I uh, showed the support to the senators the day of the hearing in the Senate committee, um, so really did come out strong and had a lot of support from senators too, so we appreciate them, House bill handlers, uh, statewide leaders coming out and, and showing their support for an issue that's near and dear to all of our members and especially those members who would be impacted by the project. So excited about that um, and really appreciate everybody coming out. Newest um, issues on that bill, I think we're still in the same position. You know, the, the House bill is in the Senate, but I think our, our number one opportunity is going to be on a House bill, on a Senate bill that comes back from the House. I think that's going to be our opportunity. Where the House has passed this issue a number of times, expect them to continue to do so um, and the Senate to be asked to take up that issue on a separate bill when it comes over from the, from the House. So excited about that and expect to see some more information on that here in the next couple of weeks. I think we got a couple of weeks here and we're gonna see an opportunity before session adjourns. Another issue that's been big for Farm Bureau this year is talking about infrastructure. And as you know, we talk about infrastructure, it's transportation and broadband. Um, on the transportation front, we had positive movement this week with the, um, the House Transportation Committee voting the transportation funding bill due pass 
um, by uh, overwhelming. Actually, it was unanimous. Everybody was in support. I think it was 13 to zero. So excited to see that, that unanimous, unanimous support. That bill now will have to go through the House Rules Committee before it can proceed to the House floor. Um, and there are some inside negotiations going on between House leadership and Senate leadership about moving that bill. The Senate is overwhelmingly supportive, um, and there's some on the House that are the same way, but there's going to be some work done to get that bill across the finish line. Farm Bureau continues to be completely engaged in support of that. Farm Bureau members for a long time have been supportive of additional funding for transportation, and we think this is a good way to do it. It's a stepped up or, or phased in um, fuel tax increase that includes a rebate option for those looking to get the rebate. So um, excited about that and a good opportunity here to address an issue that's been hanging out there for some time, leaving Missouri with, I think, the 49th lowest fuel tax and very low funding for our transportation system overall. On the broadband front, um, we talked about budget to open things up. The Senate um, Appropriations Committee included $5 million for the broadband grant program. We appreciate them doing so. Unfortunately, when the House passed their budget, they were at zero. Um, so that will be a conferenceable item when they go to conference next week, and we'll see where that plays out. I'll be honest with you, though, either way, um, we're excited about the opportunities for broadband. Um, with some of the latest stimulus funds, there's going to be a lot of money coming to the state for broadband. We're going to get more information about that here in the coming weeks, but we know there's a substantial amount of money coming that's going to work through the state's office of broadband to help bring new connections. So we hope to see the state continue to be engaged in this, but either way, we expect large, um, large steps forward on the broadband front. There's been a couple of bills related to broadband, including to allow communities to come together uh, to facilitate broadband deployment. And, and those are still going through the system. Actually, there was a hearing on it just this morning uh, with just a couple of weeks left. Um, I'm not sure if those make it across the finish line or not, but we're hopeful that they will. Um, and we're looking for all opportunities to enhance broadband deployment across the state um, while also um, making sure that we're being mindful of investments being made and making sure we're making those in a smart way. So I think there's some great opportunities there as well. On the ag front, we've been talking about a lot of things throughout the year. Uh, one of the top of the list is, is using uh, more biodiesel in the state. And that, that issue continues to evolve. Uh, the most recent is that now we're looking at an incentive program for those selling higher blend volumes of biodiesel across the state. Uh, the state would have an incentive program for them to ask them to do so. So rather than a mandate looking at um, incentivizing that type of activity and really expected to have a major impact. Um, that has actually passed on the House on what we've put together as kind of an omnibus ag bill this week um, and has an opportunity now. Uh, the Senate still hasn't debated that issue, uh, but we expect them to take that up here in the next week uh, to really have an issue of that or look at that issue. Um, finally, something we've been asking for some time is let's get some floor debate on this and actually see where everybody stands. So I think we have an opportunity here. And with this creative idea of not a mandate, but incentivizing that behavior uh, may be an opportunity to use more soy and have more biodiesel here in the state and a great opportunity for everyone. So I think that's that's where we're headed on that issue, at least for the rest of this session. And, and I'm really excited about the opportunities for that. A couple of other bills that you've heard us talk about throughout are relating to MASPDA. 
the State Department of Agriculture's um, tax credit programs that have helped um, with agricultural issues across the state. Um, and those were included in that same omnibus bill, as well as a House bill that's in the Senate that just needs to be debated on the Senate floor. So I think we're well positioned for that. And then upgrading our private pesticide applicator training program. Um, I think we've, we've had that on several different bills and well positioned as well. Um, it's, it's interesting this time of year, the laundry list gets long and things are in a lot of places, but I do think for both of those issues and for most of these issues, uh, we're well positioned here for the last couple of weeks. I hate the fact that I don't have a checklist of things that are completed yet, uh, but that's kind of the way things work in the Capitol and we're getting closer for a lot of these things. And especially with the Senate bill, it was actually Senate bill 37 um, has, if not all, almost all of these issues included in it and what would be an omnibus agricultural bill, it may be an opportunity to just take up and get a lot of this done at one swoop. So we're looking forward to that. It passed the House this week and is now in the Senate the Senate theoretically could take it up and pass it, or we could go to conference and work out any issues between the two. But hopefully we're able to take that up and get those all done at one time. And lastly, an issue that we haven't talked a lot about in the public, uh, or a lot about, I don't know that we have on these this year, is feral hogs. I know in those people that are impacted by these um, issues in their areas of the state, that's very important to them. It's something Farm Bureau has been paying attention to for some time. We actually had the House pass a House bill related to feral hogs just today, right before I ran back over here, passed a compromised version of a feral hog bill that would update the definition of feral hogs and increase penalties for releasing or holding feral hogs. But it's a compromised position that we worked with all interested parties in. And I think we're in a place where we can actually see this get done this year. We're really excited about it. The, House, the bill is now over to the Senate for them to consider. Um, and the Senate is teed up to take it up and get it moving quickly. So I think we have a real opportunity there to address an issue that's been important to our members from across the state for some time. And like I said, this is a compromise position where we've worked with all interested parties, and I think everybody will come out of this thinking we've addressed it in a good way. So I think that's kind of the update um, in as fast a form as I can give. You barely took a breath, BJ. <laughs> <laughs> this time of year, there's no time to breathe. Now, folks, if you could see BJ, he's got his sneakers on. When he talks about running back from the Capitol, he is literally doing his best to get the workout in and keep the energy. <laughs> so, BJ, thank you. I haven't seen any questions come in uh, specific to you. So, Spencer, if you want to turn your camera on, um, you've been thinking a little bit about uh, the president's joint address to Congress last night, and we've talked a little bit today about stepped up basis. Is there anything on your mind that you want to bring to the attention before we wrap up? Yeah, thanks, Garrett. Um, Senator Blunt actually covered a lot of those points really well, um, it, both in his remarks and in the question and answer session. But, um, you know, many of you probably saw parts of or the whole speech that President Biden gave last night. Um, it was certainly a message intended to bring unity to Congress and, and you know, unify the country. Um, but one main theme that we're still really concerned about are the tax implications that the president wants to use to pay for all these various proposals uh, that his administration is putting forward. Uh, one thing that I think is interesting that people are probably going to hear on the news, and I've certainly heard it multiple times today, um, is the president and the administration are being very careful to say, we are not 
not touching the death tax. Like we are not going to change the death tax to pay for these various proposals. And while that may not be true on paper, uh, that elimination, the proposed elimination of the stepped up basis really is a tax on someone's death and it's, it's a tax on heirs. And so um, that's something we've mentioned a couple of times on this series and in other forums that Farm Bureau has been an effective messenger on this issue before. We intend to be an effective messenger into the future. So please, please stay tuned. Uh, over the next several weeks, I think this conversation is going to just continue to build. And Farm Bureau is going to be putting the full court press on our congressional delegation and members of Congress from other states, as well as the administration to push back on that particular proposal. Okay, thanks, Spencer. I'll give uh, members just a couple more minutes to submit any questions that they may have before we wrap up. But I'd be remiss if I didn't comment about the hearing yesterday in which we had the opportunity to testify on the importance of rural broadband. So this was a, a hearing of a subcommittee of the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee. Uh, the hearing's purpose was to discuss the reauthorization of the Economic Development Administration within the U.S. Department of Commerce. Uh, American Farm Bureau was asked to testify specifically to broadband and its, important its importance to agriculture and rural communities. So uh, we had the opportunity to, to provide testimony about its importance to, to agriculture, to entrepreneurship, small business, and healthcare, really. Really, again, using the opportunity to stress the symbiotic relationship between our farm and ranch families and the communities in which we live and serve and to draw out the point that broadband really is this invisible thread uh, that connects all of us, particularly as we think about economic vitality moving forward and how we try to revitalize our communities. It's one important piece of the puzzle. So it was a, it was a, a good opportunity to again, to, to talk about not just the importance, but also to stress, um, <clears throat> to stress the importance of increasing the accu accuracy of mapping. So continued implementation of the Broadband Data Act, um, uh, that was put in place by Congress uh, and to talk a little bit about and trumpet some of the important actions that have been taken in Missouri as well that uh, maybe are blueprints for other states. We've certainly learned from other states and brought back here some of the best practices uh, for engaging in and deploying broadband. So those are a few things on my mind from the hearing. Did I miss anything, Spencer? I don't think you missed anything, but I guess my question for you is what was it like to testify to Congress uh, virtually and not in person. <laughs> well, you were sitting there <laughs> with me. So I would say, you know, um, I would have preferred to have been in an actual hearing room and testifying in person, probably just like you all, it's hard to be on all the time when you're staring at a computer screen, right? And especially as I was looking at subcommittee members, it's really hard to make eye contact when you're looking at just a little camera hole on, on your laptop. So uh, nonetheless, it was still a really great experience and uh, it's important that Missouri continues to be a voice on what is an important topic for agricultural and rural America. All right, looks like all, we don't have any other questions. So 
Thank you again to our members, to our agriculture friends and friends in the media. Thank you for participating in our virtual legislative briefing series throughout the, the General Assembly session. Uh, we'll keep you engaged or informed in the future if we do other uh, sessions at some point when we want to update you all on key issues. In the meantime, don't ever hesitate to reach out. Uh, reach out to, uh, to us, either phone or email. Uh, you know how to reach us. We always love to engage and would be happy to answer your questions. So until next time, stay safe in the field and uh, look forward to seeing you soon.